Well, good morning, y'all. You know how you uh, get asked the question from time to time, like, what are the things that, if your house was on fire, what would you run in after that's worth grabbing? And for me, I have three Bibles that sit on a bookshelf in our den. And um, the first one is my grandmother's Bible. Um, She was a very simple country woman, uneducated, farmer's wife, uh, beautiful lady. Uh, But she was committed to learning the scriptures. And in a day and age when it was controversial for women to teach men in the church, she was so respected in her congregation that she was asked to teach the adult Sunday school class, the co-ed Sunday school class, and to lead that for several years, which she did at uh, Acres Chapel. And um, when she died, there was this note in, that was left in the Bible that said, one day will belong to Darren. And uh, it, was, uh, uh, it was beautiful, it was moving, and I was so honored, and so this is one of my most cherished possessions. This Bible actually belonged to my mom and I would describe my mom as um, somebody who was born with the gift of faith. You know how there are some people who just never question their faith. They're just born with it, and they know it to be true, and they live their life like it, and that was my mom. She uh, clinged to the words of the Bible and um, read it every day. And when she died, this was truly the only thing that I wanted of her possessions. And so from time to time, I'll go through it, and I'll read the underlying passages that she had, especially as she was going through her darkest hours. She struggled with cancer um, in the end that finally took her life. Um, and she, Romans 5 was her go-to if you're ever going through junk in your life and you want something that's Romans 5 is a great passage. Um, but this was the book, this was the Bible that um, I picked up and read the 23rd Psalm as she left this world. And um, she taught me a lot uh, about faith and taught me even more in her death. And then there's this uh, last Bible, and this was the Bible that was left to me the most recently. This was my dad's preaching Bible. And he, too, grew up on a farm, and, and he was a truck driver for a while, built a family. And there came a point in his life where he wanted to know if this was true. And he wanted to know so badly, in fact, that he made the decision to quit his job, pack up his family, move to a trailer in Lincoln, Illinois, where he could study at Lincoln Christian University. And that is the place where he worked his way as a school bus driver through two master's degrees in archaeology and the Bible. Um, He believed that archaeology was one of those critical links to looking at the reliability and the trustworthiness of Scripture. And as a result of his study, um, he decided to become a preacher. And uh, I have to tell you that he never looked back after he made that decision that this was his source of truth. He never questioned it again and went on to become just a great man of God. I'm blessed to have lived in the shadow of Uh, just some amazing people. And I call them the front line because they were kind of between me and eternity, right? They're the the first group to go. 
And, but they were the people who were leading our family, leading the way as incredible people of faith who lived and died driven by their passion and their belief in this book. But now the front line has all but vanished from our family, and I can just envision them all having a, a, a potluck there in the basement of heaven because the top floor would have been way too fancy for them. And uh, just enjoying the, the time that they have as a family. And they have left behind this legacy of their strong belief in the reliability and putting their faith in this book. And this book drove and shaped their lives. And now the question is, as I have now become on the front lines, there's no one standing there between me and eternity. It's me on the front lines of my family. And so the question is, what am I going to do with that legacy? How am I going to live my life? Will I have the strength to carry out that legacy forward, empowered by my belief in this book, that it is the reason why I will live and I will die driven by my faith? Well, we're in the very, very beginning of a very, very long series uh, entitled The Story of the Bible where we're going to give uh, kind of this high-level um, overview of the entire Bible over the next several months. Uh, but before we do, I really felt it was important for us to just take a minute and really kind of figure out what we really do believe about the Bible, because I think there's a lot of us that don't really buy into the fact that the Bible is the authoritative Word of God. And I think that when you... When you transition in your faith and you make that decision that this is that, it changes everything. I mean, it changes the way we live. It changes what drives us. It changes everything that we pursue. And so it's a really critical component, I think. And so I just want to take one more week, spend time, and really kind of challenge us all to go, all right, what is it that we believe? Last week I shared with you that I had walked away from, in spite of my great legacy of of people of faith, I walked away from my relationship with God um, primarily because I was trying to live off of my parents' faith. And, you know, there comes a point where you just can't do that anymore. It's got to be your faith or it's not. And so um, for several years, I just explored all of the other possibilities um, that were out there just to make sure that if I was going to put my faith um, and my, the basis of my faith on the Bible, that I wanted to make sure that it was true. And so I'm going to talk just a little bit more about that this morning, about what drove that decision and why I believe that we really can trust the Bible. The Apostle Paul um, talks about why this is so important in 2 Timothy. When Paul is warning Timothy that there's going to be all kinds of people that are going to try to, to, to take you away from your faith. And by the way, there will be people in your life who will try to drag you away from your faith. And it may not be intentional, it may not be overt, but we are influenced by our relationships and there are people who will try and drag us away. And so he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, he says, no matter what you encounter, no matter who you encounter, be unmoved. Be unmoved in what you have learned and what you have become convinced as to what is the truth. 
And how from the beginning of your faith you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong, and it corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us what to do, what is right. He says, God uses this book to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, I could do a 10-part series on that passage alone. There's a lot in there. But for this morning's purposes, I just want to focus in on one line. And that's where it says, all scripture is God-breathed. And the reason why that is so impactful for me, because that's the same imagery in Genesis chapter 2, where it talks about the fact that God reached down from the dust And he formed this man. But that man wasn't alive until what? Until God breathed into him the breath of life. This book is a dead book. Until God breathed his breath, his life, into this book and made it alive and made it the place where we can come and open the pages up And something miraculous happens where we can encounter the creator of the universe in the pages of this book. This passage also tells me that the Bible is the very word of God. And we don't know exactly how it happened, but we know that God inspired and led the authors of each and every book to make sure that what was communicated in this book is what God wanted communicated to us in this book, and therefore, the Bible is the only absolute truth that I know. Which gets me back to my original question that I really just want to get in your face about so that you have to be forced to answer this to yourself, not to anybody else, but just to yourself. What do I really believe? What do I really believe about this book? Do I believe that it is the inspired word of God, and is this what is driving my life? And if it's not this, then what is? What is the basis of my faith? What is the basis of all the choices that I'm making? Everything that I do, everything that I pursue, why? Soon after the time of Jesus, There was a skeptic who I'll say was like me, who uh, he was a wealthy Roman citizen named Theopolis. And he apparently had heard about this Christianity thing, and I I wouldn't uh, be surprised if he had some encounter with Jesus or something. Their, their, Their lives overlapped. But he wanted to know if this Christianity thing was true. And so apparently, from what we can gather, he hired a very well respected doctor and scholar named Luke to investigate, to see if this stuff really was real. Luke accepts the challenge, and he gives an account of the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, in the New Testament of the Bible, and an account of the Acts of the Apostles and the beginning of the early church in the book of Acts. Now, when he begins his writing in the very first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, he begins to make it a point of explaining his research methodology and how important it was to him um, when he writes this to Theophilus. And he says this in in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. 
many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have taken place among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among some of the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from beginning to end, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you will know with certainty the things that you have been taught are true. I love that. I mean, just 30 years after Jesus walked the earth, Theophilus had the same question we do some 2,000 years later, right? Is it really true? And Luke sets out to do this accurate account of the life of Jesus and the beginning of the church so that we could all know it is really true. It has now been widely accepted by historians that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, were all written within the first 30 years of the life of Jesus. And the reason why that's so important is because the people who wrote these and the people who contributed to give the accounts and the events of Jesus lived during the time of Jesus and saw it firsthand, which I think is really important. And so we have really strong reasons to believe that the New Testament is accurate and precise and that the people who lived during that time, if it wasn't true, would have the ability to challenge those accounts if it wasn't true and to vouch for it if it was. And so these accounts have been passed on from generation to generation. And so then the question is, is the Gospel of Luke that was written 2,000 years ago, is it the same Gospel of Luke that I hold in my hand today, right? And one of the most important things, I think, that drove my decision, my personal decision, to believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, it's referred to in archaeological terms as manuscript evidence. And I don't have enough time to get into it, but there's a great book. It's an older book. It's actually been updated now, but um, it's called uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I'd, I'd encourage you all to pick it up and read it. I think it's awesome. Gives a, uh, But just suffice it to say that before there was a photocopier and before there were print presses, all books were copied by hand. And every book that was copied by hand was referred to as a manuscript. And it would take a scribe, the person who was writing it, well over a year to create just one copy of the Bible. I have to tell you, if I was doing it, it would probably take me five years to copy that thing. It's a long book, right? And the bottom line is that if you're going to copy this book by hand, you're going to want to make darn sure that this is something worthwhile to spend over a year of your life manuscripting, copying, because it was a lot of work. And what archaeologists do is they take all the manuscripts that have been discovered through the years, and they've come from all different kinds of places, and then they line them up and they compare them each to each other in order to determine the accuracy and the reliability of what was written compared to what we hold in our hands today. Now, that's tough to do because the manuscripts in that day were written on papyrus, which was a very fragile paper that deteriorated over the course of many years. So to have a manuscript survive a thousand years is incredible, but to have it survive 2,000 years is miraculous. And that being said, experts had gathered 
enough manuscripts of the New Testament to verify the authenticity and reliability of what was written then and then what is translated into our Bibles. But wait, there's more. A little over 70 years ago, there was this incredibly miraculous event that happened. In 1947, there was this young shepherd boy who was out caring for his flock, and he was bored. And so he was throwing rocks, as kids do, and he was throwing rocks into a cave. And when he threw this one rock into this cave, he heard this crash. So when he went up to explore what this was, he literally changed the study of the Bible forever because he discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the Dead Sea Scrolls were literally like thousands of ancient manuscripts of the Bible that were over 2,000 years old. They were preserved because the people who wrote them placed them all in clay jars so that it would be, they would be hidden in caves and tried to preserve them for generations to come, which they did. So these manuscripts dated back to just before and just after the time of Jesus. And the incredible thing is that these manuscripts that were, were discovered just 70 years ago, when they compared them to the manuscripts that we've had for generations, that we've relied on as our Christian Bible and held to and believed in for the last 2,000 years, it was all the same. When they compared it, it was all accurate. The Gospel of Luke, the Bible that you hold in your hand today, is the same Bible that Jesus held, the same Bible that Luke wrote. It's amazing how, through the years, the Bible has become more and more standardized to understand that it truly is reliable. Just to give you um, an example of the most reliable, non-biblical, ancient writing that was preserved, it's Homer's Iliad. And Homer's Iliad, when it was discovered, um, they discovered more than 1,900 manuscripts of Homer's Iliad. And that's an incredible amount of ancient manuscripts that they found. So if you were to go up to an English professor and you were to say, hey, I'm not sure that I can trust Homer's Iliad the accuracy and the reliability, the English professor would look at you and go, hey, you're crazy. There's like over 1,900 manuscripts proving its accuracy. Now, what you need to know is that Homer's Iliad is actually second to the Bible. So when you look at this chart, you can see the New Testament at the bottom in the big bold that there are three times as many manuscripts as Homer's Iliad and then, you know, the next one is the history of Rome, which there's like 473. And then it drops down dramatically to Tacius's work, which there are only 36, which is still an incredible amount of manuscripts. So when you begin to um, look at that, the evidence of the New Testament writings is so much greater than the writings of any other book in ancient history. It's incredible. There's also a lot, and, and again, like I have a bent for this just because, you know, my legacy from my dad, which this was so important to move from skepticism to uh, faith for him, the, the reliability of the uh, um, archaeology. 
And so there was some findings, and there's a lot of findings that have proven the reliability of scriptures. But just to give you one quick one, um, there was, in the Old Testament, it makes reference to a group of people called the Hittites. And uh, historians were never able to prove that the Hittites were a culture that ever existed. And so they called into credibility, in the late 1800s, they called into credibility the reliability of the Bible. However, in 1906, an archaeological dig confirmed that the Hittites not only existed, but they found the capital city and 40 other cities that made up the Hittite empire, which again proved that the biblical account was accurate. And there's a ton of stuff like that. And I think it's important for us to realize that the Bible has never been contradicted, ever. There is nothing that is ever contradicted and said, oh, we can prove that the Bible is wrong. Nothing. It's important to know that in every category where the Bible can be tested, it is always tested true. Whether archaeology or manuscripts or canonicity, nothing has ever contradicted the Bible. Instead, what we have is incident after incident that has confirmed that the Bible is true that it's something that is reliable that we can put our faith on. So when you compare that to whatever it is, the voodoo in your head, or the things that you think are out there, or how you want to criticize the Bible or try to poke holes in it or whatever, what is the alternative, really? I mean, truthfully, in your head, like, what are you basing your faith on? For me, when I do my study, I see the evidence really Um, allows me to believe in the reliability of the Bible as something that I can stake my faith on. We say that the the Bible is the inspired word of God. And the word inspired literally means to breathe in. To read from the words of the Bible is to breathe in the very breath of God. And this is what gives us, who are followers of Jesus Christ, the power to be able to overcome all of the junk of this world. And I've seen it. I've seen the power of this book take a young, uneducated country woman and become a Bible scholar in her own Christian community. I've seen the power of this book take a skeptic like my dad and turn him into a preacher and a great man of faith. And I've seen the power of this book in the last minutes in the life of my mom as she left this world, as she was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. This is what she clinged to in those last moments. And because of all that, because of what I've seen, because of what I've experienced, because of what I have fought through in my own skepticism, I will tell you that I believe in this book. I believe that this is the inspired word of God, and I believe that this has the power to not only change my life, but it has the power to change yours. And as the Apostle Paul turned to Timothy and he wrote these words, he said, No matter who tries to tear you away from your faith, Do not fall away from what you've been convinced of and what you know is true. Hold on to what you believe and let nothing 
move you because this, this is the only thing that is worthwhile that we can stake our eternity on.